All right, well, good morning. Um, hope you're still there with us online. And uh, I just want to again reemphasize how odd this whole week has been and how extraordinary things have been and how um, I'm, I'm thankful for the church, thankful for being a part of a church and that we can um, band together in spirit and in prayer and in worship, even if we can't band together in person. Uh, would you pray with me real quick, and then we'll, we'll have some things to think about together. Uh, Lord, thank you for those truths we just sang, that it is well. Lord, it really is well with us as we trust in you. There will be a day that you return and you set all things right, that the clouds will be rolled back as a scroll, and you'll, you'll come to set your creation right, to remove the curse, to bring your people home, and to fix all that is broken here. Uh, Lord, help us to have the right mindset as we await that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm sure a lot of you, you're at home, and you have, at some point this week, had some sort of dashed hopes. Um, People all over the world now are experiencing some sort of sadness over something that they wanted to have happen that didn't happen. Um, NBA players can't play in their games anymore. Those college athletes Uh, are now no longer able to play the sports they so love to play. March Madness is canceled. That's a loss for those poor athletes and for all of us who watch the tournament. Uh, There's all kinds of sad things. Even my own family had to cancel play dates and times with friends this week, all because of this thing that's happened in our world that we're calling the coronavirus. Uh, Disappointing for all of us, and some people more than others. Uh, Many of us have experienced small disappointments, There's others who are experiencing significant sadness. Lives are at risk. Some have even died. And it's a cause in our nation to pause for a moment and reflect on what's happening. I don't know if you've seen some of the things going on on the news. Uh, Costco, you know, lines out the door. People fighting over toilet paper. Um, these, These... kind of sad stories are also really making clear we're a broken people. The depravity of humanity runs deep. Panic in some places. Greed on display in other places. It's an interesting time. I've been going to church all my life since I was being brought to church as a kid, and I can never remember Uh, churches canceling across the globe because of sickness. So this is um, new in my lifetime, although it's not unprecedented entirely. Um, We need to know how to think about these things. And so that's why we're doing this. We want to send this out to you at home and really give you something to work through as a family. And maybe you're there with a small group that you can work through and really think biblically about what's happening in our world. I think there's Probably some wrong responses. Uh, To panic is certainly a wrong response. And to act like nothing's happening, it's all sham and no big deal is probably a wrong response. I imagine there's something more biblical that we can really get a foundation under us. We sent out that email that has some handouts. So if you got that, pull it out now. I'm going to try to move kind of slowly through it so the kids can follow along. Try to fill in the handouts that you have and then use that for a tool as you begin your discussion as a family. But first, we're titling this message, The Lord Sits Enthroned. 
responding to the coronavirus. I want to start with our first point, which is this. God is sovereign. God is sovereign over this. Listen to Psalm 29, verse 10. You could turn in your Bibles there. We're going to kind of jump all around through the Bibles so you can have your Bible open and try to follow along with us. Psalm 29, verse 10 says, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. The Lord is not concerned and and worried and fearful about what's happening here on earth. He sits confidently on His throne. He's not surprised. He's not wringing His hands. Oh no, what are we going to do? I hope they figure it out down there. He sits as a sovereign ruler over His universe. If you can make your way to Isaiah 46, I want to point you to another scripture that highlights this reality. God is sovereign. Isaiah 46, starting in verse 8. It says this, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Listen to this. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. You can pause there. God is so sovereign. His sovereignty stretches to eternity past and into eternity future. And He says about all things that happen everywhere all the time that this is part of His eternal counsel. Nothing has surprised Him. In fact, we go farther even to say that this kind of thing that's scaring us and that is putting a lot of people into a panic is part of God's eternal plan. There's no such thing as chance. Sometimes we throw that word out there. Chance. Like there's a good chance that this happens. Especially these days. What chance do I have of catching this disease? What chance do we have of getting sick or getting others sick? What percentage? We're talking a lot about chances. Listen, there's no such thing as chance when there's a sovereign God. He already knows all that will happen. He already has decreed Everything that's taking place. Our lives are in His hands. You didn't choose when you were born. And you won't choose when you die. Those things are absolutely determined by a good sovereign God. Listen to Deuteronomy 32.39. God says, See now that I, even I am He, there's no God beside me. Listen to this. This is... This is amazing. He says this. He says, I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. You know, there's one thing that this sickness is doing to us. It's it's doing a really good thing. It's breaking our illusion that we actually have control over our lives. We've been trying to have control over our lives since the very beginning. But the reality is that God holds our lives in His hands. 
He gives us life and he can take life. He gives and he takes away. The Bible says he kills and he makes alive. He wounds and he heals. And nothing that we can do can prevent that. That doesn't mean we're irresponsible. It means we humble ourselves before the almighty, sovereign God. We've never really been in control. And this virus is reminding us of that. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, is do we really believe that our sovereign God is good? I mean, think about that. Is all this stuff happening an expression of God's sovereign goodness? Not always the way we think good is. You know, how good is my life going to be as a result of this? That's not always how God defines goodness. But God is good and He will glorify Himself and He will absolutely, positively, without uh, any doubt, do good for His church in this. He's sovereign. Secondly, I want you to think about this. This is our second fill-in. We're going to find in Luke 13, you can start turning there, repent. That's the second word that I want you to think about. And I'm going to turn in my Bible to Luke 13. I want you to join me there. It's an interesting little scenario where Jesus has an interaction with some people who are very concerned about some people who have died. Let me read verses 1 to 5 to you. There's some present at the very time who told him, that's Jesus, about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Pilate apparently had really done some wicked things to some Galileans. They were killed as they were making sacrifices It was a tragedy, and it was well known, and people were asking Jesus about it. It says in verse 2, Jesus answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18, Jesus moves from talking about the Galileans who died, and he talks about a tower that fell, a tragedy that fell and killed 18 people. Those 18 people on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than those others who lived in Jerusalem? No, Jesus says. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus, these people are shocked. These people had died and they're asking Jesus about it. And Jesus takes this opportunity to go, do you think those people died because they were worse? Of course, the answer is no. They're not worse than any of us. We're all sinners. Jesus is drawing out this point that we all deserve to die just like the people who died under Pilate's wickedness or the people who got crushed by the tower. We all deserve to die. We're all sinners. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so it's amazing that Jesus in His infinite wisdom... He uses these tragedies to remind people that because of their sin, they all deserve to die, but then He provides a solution. He says, repent. Repent. Yes, death is happening in this world. Yes, we all deserve to die, but Jesus provides a way for us to experience eternal life. What do we do? Jesus tells us to repent. That means we, we let go of everything else we're trusting in. We stop trusting in our own goodness. Try, stop acting like we have control over our own lives. Stop acting like we're self-righteous enough that God will accept us because of our goodness. 
Stop acting like we got our lives all together on our own and we don't need God. We, we turn away from that and we come to Jesus for forgiveness. We trust Him. We look to Him. We devote our lives to Him. That's repentance. And what Jesus says here is that when there's death around us, when we're fearful of our own mortality, what does Jesus say? What is His message to the world? Repent. Listen. This time in our lives is reminding us of something we love to forget. We love to forget this reality that we will die someday. You will die. I will die. And Americans do everything we can to forget that we're going to die. But listen, Jesus reminds us we're all going to die. The question is this. Have you repented? Turning from sin to trust in Jesus to be your Savior. He lived a perfect life that you couldn't live. He died on the cross for sinners like you. He rose from the dead victorious over sin and death. And that you, by turning from whatever you're trusting in and looking to Jesus, you will be forgiven. Your sins will be washed away. You will be clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. And listen, you will have a hope that even the fear of death won't be able to take from you. Why? Because we believe in the resurrection of the body. You may die. Listen, I don't think the right solution to talking about the coronavirus is to say, oh, everything's going to be okay. No, people might get sick and people might die. The question is, have we trusted in Jesus Christ? Because in trusting in Him, we have a hope that we can look death in the face and say, I do not fear death because I will rise at the resurrection of the dead and I will be with Christ forever in an imperishable body. Now that's hope. And Jesus tells us to repent so that hope can be ours. I don't know who's watching. Uh, we got this live stream and I don't know who's there. But if you haven't repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ this morning, whether you're a child sitting there watching with your parents, whether you don't even attend our church and you happen to tune in somehow, I invite you to turn to Christ this moment. This morning could be the morning that you get saved from your sin. And let this coronavirus be an urgent call to you. You don't know how long you have to live. So turn to Jesus, repent today, and experience the forgiveness of your sins right now. There's a third fill-in that we have for you if you're following along. Here it is. Lament in hope. Uh, I already mentioned people tend to fall into two categories during this. I've, I've talked to some people who are freaking out uh, the panic train is at full speed and they're, they're the ones that are stocking up and they're hoarding and they're fearful about what's going to happen and they're worried and they're anxious and there's some people who are, are kind of going that route. There's other people who are brushing it off like it's no big deal. They're, they're acting like this will just, we shouldn't really care much. Let's act as if all is well and let's just ignore the situation. I would say that neither of those are really the Christian response. There is suffering going on in the world right now. There is fear and panic in the world right now. Christians shouldn't cut themselves off from that. We ought to be sympathetic. And so how do we have sympathy for the people around us who are hurting and the, the elderly who are facing really realistic fears that they might be uh, particularly vulnerable to this sickness? You know what I think we do is we lament. Uh, that is what, what Hans described earlier, that we, 
we come to God with our fears, with our anxieties, uh, with our worries, and we lay them honestly at the feet of Jesus. Turn your Bibles to the book of Lamentations. If you didn't know, there's an entire book that is a, that is a lament. It's a, Lamentations is what it's called. The whole thing is a series of prayerful crying out to God because of tragedy. In, in Lamentations chapter 1, Jeremiah the prophet cries out to God, how lonely sits the city that was once full of people. He's lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem for their sin. How like a widow she has become. She who was once great among the nations. She who was like a princess among the provinces has become a slave. And He goes on to describe in very graphic detail uh, the sadness, the weeping, the grief, the grief that is uh, filling their hearts as he reflects on the tragedy of Jerusalem. Some of the descriptions, if you were to just read Lamentations, you'd actually think this could be describing some cities now in the world where um, the, the fear is real and people are hunkering down and, and they're afraid of what might happen next. But I want to point your attention, while Lamentations is so realistic, it is also filled with hope right in the middle of it. Turn to chapter 3. In verse 19 of Lamentations, Jeremiah says this, remember, he's crying out to God, he says, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. He, he, he's honest about admitting where he has experienced fear and pain and confusion all throughout the letter. But now he's saying, but this I call to mind. Friends, what we should do is be realistic about what's happening. Let's admit our fears. Let's even sympathize with those who are afraid. Let's, let's accurately describe the situation and, and feel the reality of what's happening. And let's bring it to God. But then let's also say what verse 21 says. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. We always lament with hope. He says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in Him. So don't panic. Lament with hope. Don't act like nothing's happening either. Lament with confidence. Our fourth way that we ought to be thinking through what's going on right now, uh, we could use these two words to describe what we need to be doing as Christians. Love sacrificially. You can go over to 1 John for this one. Love sacrificially. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Toward the end of your Bible there. John has a lot to say about love in this epistle. You would maybe do well to read the whole thing and note what it says about loving your neighbor, about loving the brothers and sisters that are your, your family in Christ. But I want to highlight verse 16. 
where John says, by this we know love, that he, that's Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You want to know what love looks like? Think about the cross. Perfect, holy God coming down to earth, laying down his life for sinners, giving up comforts for those who didn't deserve it. That's love. Verse 17 says, If anyone sees the world's goods, or has the world's goods, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love in, uh, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Friends, this is a great time to demonstrate why Christianity is different than the world, right? So many people are hoarding, 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 uh, greedy, 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 doing things to make themselves more comfortable, make their lives more convenient, even sometimes to the detriment of people outside of their own lives. What should Christians be doing? I, I, I hope and I've actually already seen this happening, that as a church, we're coming together. Maybe we can't do it physically, but there's phone calls, text messages. We're asking, hey, who needs help? Who doesn't have what they need? Let's band together. Let's get uh, mobilized to make sure we're helping one another. This is how we demonstrate the love of Christ to the world, is that first it starts in the very household of God, that we show that we know how to love our family and take care of our own very well. But it doesn't end there. Because that kind of love spills out to the world. I hope you Christians that are, that are aiming to, to make the most out of this crisis, I hope you're taking the opportunities with your neighbors. Maybe shoot them a text message and just ask if they have all they need. Maybe you can even go to their door and, and bring them something just to make sure they're good and know that they're loved and cared for. Give them a phone call. We need to be the ones while everyone else is thinking about how can I save myself, we're thinking about how can I help and save others. We're still on mission. We're going to be responsible and careful where we need to be. But we also want to be risk takers. We're not going to get in a bunker and ignore the world for the next few weeks. We're going to move forward with gospel advance because we are absolutely certain that this is over, under God's sovereign rule, and God has great plans for this. And so let's seek to love sacrificially. How different would you be to your neighbor, to your coworker, if everyone else sought what they wanted out of this, but you were the one that sought them out and sought to help them even at great cost to yourself? Let's be that church. Let's be those neighbors, coworkers, friends, and family. Let's love sacrificially. And, and lastly, and this is kind of related, the fifth point, be prepared for opportunities. Turn to 1 Peter. You're in 1 John, so you can turn to your left a little bit, a few pages that way, and you can turn to chapter 3. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, you could go down to verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness 
and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, so that you revile, or sorry, when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Did you see right there in verse 15 that we should always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in us? Guys, we have such hope during this time. We don't fear death because we have hope of heaven. We don't fear loss because we have a Father who cares for us. We don't fear the same things the world fears. We have a different hope. Let's live that out, but also be ready. Be ready to give an account for why you have that hope. Be ready to talk about how your life has now been given to Jesus, that He's going to take care of it, that if He wants you to live or die, that's in His hands, and that while you're here, you're invincible until He calls you home. Let Him see that hope. Let Him see that confident smile on your face that you don't fear the same things the world fears. And when they're asking you why, you say, hey, I have a Savior, His name is Jesus. I believe in a gospel that goes like this. That God is sovereign, owning everything. That He loves His creation. That He sent His Son to die for sinners. To be their Savior and Lord and Master. To shepherd them through life. And and that as I trust in Him, I can be totally and completely cared for. I have no fear of death. My life is bound up in Christ. I'm eternally secure. You have that hope, Christian. Be ready to share it. Let's live so differently that people ask us about the hope that's within us. I want to conclude by just saying this. We are absolutely convinced God is over this, God is sovereign in this, and this is for our good. Don't panic. Christians never panic when they're trusting in the sovereignty of God. If you're not trusting Him, repent and turn to Him right now. Even you Christians, if you've been panicking, now's the time to turn to Him and confess that sin and reassert your confidence in his wisdom over your life seize the moment in sacrificial love and be prepared to answer for the hope that you have in you let's pray together we're going to sing one last song and then we'll conclude with some announcements let's pray together lord we love you and we trust you So Lord, make us a people who shine in this world. Make us a people who have hope when a lot of people don't. Make us a people who love when a lot of people are concerned about themselves. Make us a people who sacrifice when a lot of people are refusing to do that. Make us a people altogether different from the world that we might be a light to those in darkness. Lord, we pray that as a church, you would be honored and glorified. We pray that those who are suffering would be healed. We pray that the virus would be stopped and ceased. And that, Lord, under your sovereignty, if you allow it to continue, that we Christians would be the front lines, on the front lines, risking our lives to serve those who need serving. We ask that you would enable us to do this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.